when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. We're going to Work at a place called Lalito in Lower Manhattan. Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, editor in chief of Munchies, and welcome back to Munchies the Podcast. Today, we're paying homage to a legendary dive bar by singing karaoke with Gerardo Gonzalez. He's the chef and owner of Lalito a new restaurant in Lower Manhattan, whose visionary menu is kind of like a trip to Mexico via the Mediterranean. Karaoke is everyone's best friend. It's there on some of the greatest nights of your life, and karaoke bars are honestly one of the most incredible things about late nights in any big city. All you need is a little booze for courage and a song you know, more or less, by heart. Winnie's Bar in Chinatown was a legendary stomping ground for hardcore karaoke seekers. It opened up in the 80s, but honestly felt as if it had been there forever. The gracious owner, who was actually named Winnie, welcomed everyone with open arms and very stiff drinks. You'd walk into a dimly lit room with red vinyl booths. It was a place that kind of looked like the bar in Pulp Fiction, where John Travolta and Uma Thurman did that dance-off. You'd pick a song from the spiral-bound notebook, pay a dollar, and they'd pull out a gigantic laser disc with your track in what felt like this sort of auspicious ceremony. About two years ago, the inevitable happened. We all know how crazy New York real estate goes, and Winnie's ran into trouble negotiating a new lease. I definitely wasn't the only person who was heartbroken when I learned that they'd be closing. None of us knew what would happen next. But I was really thankful when I learned that Gerardo Gonzalez, a super talented young chef, would be taking over the space. Gerardo grew up in San Diego, and he comes from a really big Mexican family. He's drawing on his heritage and incorporating a really incredible range of flavors. The food has this sort of California-style freshness, really bold Latin meats, Middle Eastern meats, Japanese meats, you name it. He's got this black bean dip that's made with cannellini beans blended with squid ink and black garlic. He's also got a vegan chicharron that easily rivals any pork belly version. In karaoke terms, Gerardo calls it adult contemporary cuisine. It totally works, and he's had a lot of success integrating into this diverse Chinatown neighborhood. But while change is inevitable, we're lucky to have reminders of the past. Secret histories are everywhere in New York, And like Gerardo learned, anytime you take over a Manhattan storefront, you're also going to inherit some legendary stories. So today, in honor of Winnie's and the magic that is karaoke, we're meeting up with Gerardo and the crew of Lolito to belt out a few songs, explore the history of the space, and learn more about the night the Spice Girls showed up to belt out their own tune.
My name is Gerardo Gonzalez. Um, I wait. What was it? My name is Gerardo Gonzalez, and I have Lalito, which is in uh, Chinatown, Manhattan. This is Luis. Hi. Hello. Hello. I'm How Luis. How are you? Sorry, nice my hands really cold. No, it's like refreshing. <laughs> uh, so Luis has been working here since we opened as well, as well mm-hmm. as Popeye. Hey. Popeye. Helen, Hi, Phil. How are Helen? you, Helen? Uh, Helen. So nice. How are you doing? I'm okay. Whew. A little cold for a March day. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? We didn't have much of a winter. So, I mean, you're again in the middle of Chinatown. Like this is where I come for soup dumplings. Right over on that corner. I mean, I go get Vietnamese produce at that little corner shop over there. There's pho down the way because actually you're in like the Vietnamese. Part of it, yeah. (laughs) Which is a very small part. But, like, thinking about it, you know, you took over the space of my youth and many people's youths in this town, uh, Winnie's, which is, you know, kind of this uh, classic Chinatown dive. Has anyone come in and been, like, confused? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, because, like, um, it's definitely been one of those things where, like, people walk in and they're like what is like i'm like winnie's has been closed for a good year and a half or like almost two i think so it does kind of throw some people off i don't know i have some interesting like stories when we first opened up but now that i'm more in the kitchen it's not as uh big of a deal but like there's definitely people like come in and just look at stuff and like pick things up and like turn around and go (laughs) what do you mean like they pick they steal I don't know, just like lift something up and like look under it and then like go. <laughs> what do you think they're looking for? I don't know, I think it's like a being like confused about like, like I've been here before but it's different now. Well, you know? I mean, the facade is the same so that's kind of, I think, contributes to it a little bit. A lot of people are like, I'm like, either you should take that down because it's not the same place anymore or like, um, but, or like, wow, well, we're really glad you kept it and the real answer is just we ran out of money i think and this facade has been here way before winnie's was uh, as well and you can kind of tell because like um see how it says winnie's like the shadow marks where it used to be yeah it, you can also read the outlines of it used to be the recess before that and it was it has its own history too which is kind of cool the recess was like a dodgy cop bar that people like that cops would come, like, really shitty cops. Like, one time a bartender walked by and was like, I used to work here when I was a recess. And I was like, holy shit, that must have been a long time ago. And uh, he said that it was, like, really horrible cops acting horribly would come here. And uh, I was like, was it, like, the precinct? And he's like, no, because cops would have to be summoned to court to witness or whatever from other precincts, and they would come here and just, like, get drunk and, like... Yeah, so that's it. So that's where the history of this place is. We're walking over from uh, Lalito uh, to Karaoke, which is on Bowery, not too far off, uh, right at the entrance of the Manhattan Bridge. So this is Bowery here? Yeah, this is Bowery right here. When Winnie's first opened up back in the 80s, I, I was there. I just frequent the place quite a lot because Winnie was like my godmother. So I would come and help her bring up beer, get ice. On the weekends after work, I come over and check people's ID. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so how would you describe Winnie? Because, like, I have met her many times Mm -hmm. because I used to be a regular. But, like, how would you describe Winnie? 
She's a very pleasant lady. Yeah, I love Winnie's. Um, you know, like I said, she's like my godmother. She's always taking care of me. And yeah. She has this air of her that's like very like put together and yeah, classy and like. She's very classy. She's very classy. Yeah. Wait, so would you sing karaoke ever? Who? You. <laughs> I used to help people start up karaoke. Yeah. Because they, they, they would come in and they'd be a little shy and uh, I'd sing a song, maybe I'd grab a customer and say, come, uh, would you sing a song with me? So would you put the big laser disc into the TV? Uh, yeah, then we used to put the laser disc, but if you, if you think about the early 80s, they have actually somebody that gave you a songbook and they had a live person that actually played the piano. And you sing off, that was the original karaoke. Really? Yeah. But most of it was in Chinese. Yeah. What was it like back then? Tell me about the neighborhood. Uh, it was completely different. It's not as crowded as it used to be. Because Winnie's was, uh, all the old, uh, old Chinese men used to go there, drink, socialize. But there was one year where the Spice Girls came in and did karaoke over there. What? Wait, the Spice Girls did karaoke at Winnie's? Yeah. What? <laughs> That's what sparked the whole thing. It became a dive bar. Everybody started coming in. No way. Well, you said that it changed the whole business, right? That's Pretty when much. More, like, more American. Oh, well, it became not more, more Americanized. These Chinese old fogies, they, they, they ain't gonna sit there and like, oh God, I gotta listen to this song. <laughs> they wanna listen to this sing their Chinese, old Chinese songs and whatever. So what do you make of uh, Lolito now that it's in this space? I love working with these guys. It's like, you can take the kid out of the hood, but then you can't take the hood out of the kid. Man, we should have had our party sense. here. Yeah. yeah, we can't tell. This is an undisclosed location, so no one comes here because it's amazing. <laughs> Do you like Shania Twain? Uh, you're still the one is on repeat in the bathroom every day for like the last three months. Why? Just because? Because you know what? Like I, mean, I was telling Phil that originally we were going to design the. ADA restroom to be like a private karaoke room and I wanted it to look something like this uh, but we ran out of money and we're gonna still work on it but um, one day I was like I've, I found out that with Sonos you can link the bathroom to play a different song and uh, I just played that on repeat and I have to say uh, you know on Spotify it ranks like the top songs you're still the one was like number three when we started and now it's like Number one on her. You got him there. I know. I'm also like very hopeful that like maybe she got a kick in royalties. Like all of a sudden, like this influx of like, wait, we came up with a scenario that she's in Canada somewhere. All of a sudden, she starts getting these checks and she opens a puppy rescue with all this like money she's getting from somebody in New York City just playing You're Still the One on repeat uh, seven days a week. 365 days. I mean, we've only been open for like <laughs> five months. But, um, yeah, it worked out. People really like respond to it, I have to say. I mean, you guys, it drives you guys crazy now. But I mean, I loved it for a really long time. I'm surprised how long I like, 
I think Papa hates it. So now we're leaving the karaoke place and sitting down with Gerardo in Columbus Park, which is right across the street from Lolito. This park is um, directly across the street from the restaurant, directly behind uh, the the tombs, as they call it, where people get arrested. Uh, Directly behind the courthouse in which you get married, um, if you were to do so in a civil ceremony through our city, uh, directly behind the federal court, directly behind these two uh, brutalist towers of apartment buildings. Um, and there's a soccer field. And I think I've heard that this is one of the most widely used parks in the city. And there's a lot of activity that goes on here. From uh, Mahjong, which is happening to our left, and opera singing, uh, the soccer field, there's the basketball field, and then kind of a impromptu, I think, little skate park. Uh, then, okay, so we've had some um, new regulars who, uh, they have like a brunch group, they kind of come through every once in a while, that were born and raised here and they've lived here for a very long time. They might have moved since then, but they were describing to us that this was actually um, like a little swamp pit Um, where all the butcher runoff would kind of go to. And everything that, just like the history of this area, like Canal Street was literally a canal that connected the east to the west and that uh, there was a lot of butchers around here and just a lot of history. Very, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of history in this part of Manhattan. I always like, uh, feel like it's kind of, this, I've just made this up, but it feels like it's the lowest point in Manhattan as far as, like, elevation-wise. And, I don't know, I just imagine, like, everyone kind of comes through here. Whether it's through, like, some uh, judicial or municipal kind of way or, um, I don't know. So, your restaurant is still very new. Yeah. Um, why this location? Why this restaurant? It's kind of... I. I don't think there was like a grand scheme ever. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know. There's like a little bit of um, just rolling with punches. I don't know if this is like a very San Diego kind of or like Southern California kind of approach to life in general where it's just like, hey, why not? (laughs) And then it all just kind of happens. I don't think there was ever any grand plan. Sometimes I have. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Have uh, like a sensitivity or like forethought or a touch of psychicness, but um, I'd never. I kind of had a feeling that I would end up south of, um, for sure, south of Delancey as far as opening a restaurant. But I didn't know I was going to be this far south. Um, it was just a matter of circumstance. Um, 
I think I've learned a lot of lessons since then as far as like, hey, why not open a restaurant and like sign a contract and a lease? And it happened to be this spot um, as far as like, it's, it's one thing, I think what I've kind of learned is like one thing to be like, have that approach and be like, hey, why not? Like, let's, you know, like take it easy and like whatever comes. But then there's also like the responsibility behind that where it's like, you can't be ignorant about everything, which is just like, um, you know, what neighborhood your restaurant is in, the impact it has on, on things or like, um, New York in general, like in New York city, you can't just like open a place and be like, look at it because there's a million people that are going to be like you know like checking it out and seeing what it's about and like um holding you to it like the moment you open your doors kind of thing even before you open your doors so i guess the long end of that uh question is i kind of went with the flow and this is where i ended up <laughs> All right, so Lalo, now known as Lalito. Yes, formerly Lalo, now Lalito. What made you change the name? I'm glad we get to talk about it because <laughs> I just did like a, um, a uh, I made a post and that was pretty much it as far as like the announcement, just a little Photoshop post that I made um, using transitions lenses as my basis, but. <laughs> In all, in all seriousness, though, there are a couple other restaurants that have Lalo, which isn't, like, a super common thing, um, that there was just some confusion that was being made. And it was never my intention to kind of be uh, confused or, or attached to that name. Um, so this was kind of an easy way to change that. Um, so just in the sense that it was brought to our attention, uh, whenever you would Google us another restaurant would kind of pop up and um you know people would get that confused call them or call us or like vice versa and um i think at a certain point we're just like let's just go with that name it was also like lalito was always kind of in my business plan whether it's like we were just like let's open a carnitas stand then that would be lalito which is the diminutive or the short little version of lalo which is already the short little version of gerardo so it's just getting littler and little, tinier and tinier. The Lalito uh, <laughs> Tito. The Urban Dictionary. Uh, I think they just scored a goal. Good. Or they're fighting each other. But the Urban Dictionary meaning of Lalo. Do you know what it is? I mean, I know what it means to me, <laughs> but um, I did not know actually. Well, it technically is written as the best boyfriend ever. Hey, <laughs> I don't know if you asked a couple people that, if that was necessarily <laughs> true, but um, I will pass it along to inquiring minds. But, I mean, for you, what does it mean? Besides the fact that it was your nickname, like, what, what does it mean to you? It was my nickname growing up. I'm named after um, an uncle who passed away, unfortunately, um, before I was born. Um, so there's that kind of meaning behind it. I think it was more so like, I mean, in all honesty, um, I've gone by a lot of different names through the years. I go by Gerardo now because that's my, that's my real, you know, it's my first name. And I feel like as an adult, I can explain to people how to pronounce it. But I think when I was a teenager, I was like, like <laughs> Lalo, I guess to me is just, it's more of a reference to my family. 
than it is to myself, which I like every once in a while I'll think about it. I was like, oh my God, I just named a restaurant after myself. It's kind of weird because <laughs> that's never anything I was ever intending to. But it was, it's literally to me, like when I think of the name for the restaurant, Lalo or Lalito, it has nothing to do with me specifically. It has more to do with my family. That has happened what they like reference me by. But it also has like other connotations as far as like that time of my life um, and growing up in um, San Diego and like visiting and just being immersed in like a really large Mexican-American family. And um, that's kind of what it was more in reference to, it's specifically like Logan Heights, San Diego, uh, where my family, like the core of who I am, I feel like is based off of. Uh, that. Well, so tell me about like as a kid growing up, especially like you said, it's right on the border. So you have this access to these two worlds at once that are kind of the same. And what was it like eating? I mean, what was an average weekend for you? My dad was also, okay, so not to jump around, but like we would go down there to like Rosarito and Ensenada like quite often. I would go to like Playas de Tijuana and just eat like really amazing seafood for very cheap and like really fresh and delicious my dad was also like uh he would deep sea fish for tuna so being like always on the coast or we would go fishing uh every weekend in the bay and stuff like that it was just um i think there's a simplicity to the food in baja that um isn't necessarily always employed like in other parts of mexico whereas like some parts of mexico like tex-mex in american mexican cuisine can be kind of like very saucy or like lardy or um, really amazing stuff, but not necessarily the Mexican food that I kind of grew up with, which is very like acidic and bright and um, really fresh and sometimes just like four ingredient things that always kind of like consisted of the same things. Like the garnish was always like raw white onion, radish, cilantro, and like hot sauce, but sometimes just the most simple thing of like uh smoked tuna with a fresh corn tortilla and a hit of lime juice was like all you needed kind of thing and i think that is what i love about baja and san diego cuisine it's just like it can be very simple and it's like um since the weather is kind of always the same it's just like that it's not even like it's kind of funny because it's not like i play around with like a lot of tropical flavors just because in the east coast you have a different kind of Latino foods from like all over the world, but it wasn't even like extremely tropical. It was always kind of just like lime, you know, like everything like I just said, but nothing like pineapple or coconut or the kind of stuff that I fold into here. But um, I think, yeah, I just missed that kind of cooking. How would you describe what your food style is? Because I feel like there's so many inventive things that are happening. Can you like walk me through some of your dishes and how the hell you came up with them? Like that, the black bean, uh, squid ink, squid ink, uh, dip or, you know, it's, I don't know. I find that I kind of ask myself that a little bit, uh, lately cause the type of food that I had at my last place was kind of unique to New York. I'm realizing, but to me it was very simple and even though it was very hard to describe what that food exactly was, I was more uh, secure with its identity because I could just say like California 
Mexican, healthy-ish, like all that kind of stuff, fresh. Um, that kind of evolved and it, like I was just thinking, it had like a lot of avocados and like all that kind of stuff. And like, I'm not trying to be reactionary in this spot, but like I made it a point not to have like avocados and uh, try to explore a little bit more um, Mexican flavors and Latino flavors. But I don't know, it's tricky because I'm not trying to like make a statement of like necessarily being super traditional or uh, being reinventive in like like haute, like French cuisine or something like that. I think a lot of it is still very like laid back and easygoing. Especially when you think about it, like it's like carnitas are the biggest seller. And um, that's kind of like my adaptation of it by like adding the flavors that I love to add to it, like already on the plate. So like maybe uh, people didn't know to put like white sauce and hot sauce and corn nuts and like all that kind of stuff on it. But I'm like, I like things to be very textural, like multi-textural. I like things to be uh, very like a balance, I guess, of, of what I consider to be like what I love about Mexican food is like it can be a balance of like uh, salty, sour, sweet, spicy, earthy, bitter, kind of all in one bite. And maybe sometimes they're really extreme, but they all kind of like either balance each other out or cancel each other out or like elevate one another. Um, so I guess that's a big part of the food. Um, but sometimes I like I just want to do simple food because I think overall what's most important is like the entire package of being in a restaurant which is like the atmosphere the vibe how you feel during and after um the food obviously is a big part of that and that's kind of what I tried to like employ in the last place I was at El Rey um but here it's just it's a bigger space so you have like more to worry about but there are times when I'm like I want to explore more uh, interesting like, concepts, um, but applying it to a business too, where you want to be more accessible to a lot of people. It's it's kind of finding that balance of like, how can you execute something pretty quickly because people don't want to wait, but still get the same like flavor impact um, as you would like a really like beautifully like fussed over kind of dish, um, are kind of things that I think about like also just eating really simplistically and like not necessarily putting ego on a plate just kind of like this is what it is like it, the delicious factor of it um as my friend angela from mission chinese would say the craveability of a dish <laughs> is very important i think because it could be something really like thought provoking as far as the dish itself but if it's something that you want to like eat every single day for the next couple weeks kind of thing so I guess there's a lot of answers into that I'm still trying to like work that out and figure it out and like uh, this process has been kind of interesting like as far as doing so because um, I feel like at El Rey I kind of had room to grow into that and just like nobody had any expectations was like it opened like it wasn't like a thing and I could just like learn what people wanted to eat and then like build a menu as I was open because like I just try to be like listen to people and have trust my intuition on certain things but on this kind of project it was a little bit more like people were like 
the first day we opened the door and like people were waiting to get in and it's kind of like, uh, hi. <laughs> when it's last night, uh, when we closed down, I, I rearranged all the words for New York, New York to, <laughs> to Winnie's bar. Winnie's, Winnie's, I want to wake up with a beer in my hand. <laughs> Thanks so much to Gerardo Gonzalez, Luis Miguel Bobadilla, and especially the one and only Popeye. Thank you to Winnie and everyone that made her bar a refuge for karaoke lovers. And thanks to Phil Domhofsky, my podcast producer. You're the best. If you haven't visited Lalito yet, I'll forgive you for now, because it's only been open for six months, but you definitely need to go check it out. And some really good news. While researching this episode, we learned that as of January, Winnie is actually planning to reopen in Chinatown, not far from her original location. Check back in two weeks when we'll be catching up with a man who needs no introduction, our dearest Canadian friend, Maddie Matheson. Until then, get all of our delicious Munchies content over at munchies.tv. Hit us up at Munchies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook too. And if you like the show, show us some love and rate it on iTunes. It really actually does help us out. I'll make a brand new start of it in the New York. If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. It's up to you, you. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.